0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's show is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, sharing nothing but the best in whole grain nutrition and committed to their mission of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Joule the immersion circulator for Sous vide by Chef Steps. Order now at ChefSteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 1245. Uh, from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick Brooklyn. Uh, we got a banner day today. Nastasia the Hammer Lopez is not sitting right next to me because she is delayed on the ever problematic L train which is no. going to cease yes. to exist pretty soon. Rooting from afar. Yeah, yeah, we got Dave in the booth. How you doing, Dave? Good.
2: Good. How you doing?
1: Yeah, what at uh, are you what uh, do you know are you a, uh, a, a Easter person, Passover person, a nothing person? What are you?
0: Well, as a matter of fact, I just celebrated Passover in L.A., but I grew up an Easter person on the East Coast.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, anyway, Dan, if you celebrate Passover, sorry to have you out during the Passover time working, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I should go home.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't until after this show, but then right after this show, I would just hightail it out of here and just, like, you know, peace, I'm out, you know Mm -hmm. what I
3: mean? Yeah.
1: Um, I need to drill in my house, Dave exactly two drills, I need two holes in the ceiling of my apartment, and there is a complete moratorium on any sort of drilling. Literally two holes, and I would have gotten it done before Passover, but I had lent someone my hammer drill, and so like <laughs> I had to wait, and now I have to wait. It's, there's nothing more frustrating for someone like me than having to wait to drill two lousy freaking holes. You yeah, know I can I mean? see that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we got, we got a banner day today. Uh, while we're waiting for Nastasia, I'll introduce the three, count them, three guests uh, that we have. Uh, I'll go. First, I'll say we have the uh, often present Peter oh, Kim.
4: Wow, way to, way to take me for granted, dude. I feel very, really special. Peter,
0: I'm really happy to see you. Thank you. Thank I you. Too, Peter.
4: Somebody. <laughs> I'm
2: going Peter too. Yeah, yeah. And, yes. Uh,
4: <laughs> yes, thank you all very much. Thank you. And uh,
2: Peter Kim, channeling
1: his uh, days of being a Peace Corps volunteer in Cameroon, has purposely turned off the air conditioner in this box so that we're roasting to death because oh, he okay, could take pretty much anything.
4: I also have a bunch of yucca, cassava, because I'm working on making uh, baton de manioc, you know, the yeah. little sticks of uh, cassava. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I am particularly Cameronian
1: today. The thing about the, nice. th- those kinds of tubers really are like, they're, I mean, I cook with them, but they're disturbing looking, right? They look like something out of an alien movie.
4: I guess. Now I'm missing my
1: man Bill Paxton,
4: and it's game over, right? Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. for a lot of people, it just looks like food. Did
1: you know Bill Paxton? I'm pretty sure I didn't look at the credits. Was in the Terminator. It, I did not realize this until, you know, Dax, my youngest, wanted to see the Terminator, and I was like, all right, you're ready. And uh, I saw it, and at the beginning, when Arnold Schwarzenegger comes down and is like, give me your clothes, like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's one, one of, of those the punks. Guys, yeah, he's yeah. one of
2: the punks. Oh, I was like,
4: Bill Paxton. Oh,
1: yeah, awesome, amazing. Also, uh, we have in the studio with us uh, J.W. Rogers from El Paso, who took Peter and I to uh, Juarez in El Paso a couple of weeks ago.
2: Here we go. El Paso, oh, Texas. Yeah. Shout out to the border.
4: Yeah, yep. yeah. In some <laughs> so tall shots.
1: Now, yeah, listen, I don't want you guys calling in and asking him whether he's visited the old El Paso factory, because, <laughs> like, he has not a rope. I- It's not because I think it's a bad question. I've asked him literally every time I've seen him. I was like, have you visited the old El Paso factory yet? And no, he has not visited. He doesn't even know if that factory is in El Paso. (laughs) My son, Dax, again, has become addicted to old El Paso taco sauce I just can't get down with it. Fair enough, yeah. It's because it's not a nostalgic flavor for me. It just tastes like produced. Well, it's because you know I mean? you're
4: from New York City. New Yuck. York City.
1: And for any of you who remember that commercial, there's a bunch of cowboys sitting around. Like I don't know what they're eating, like beans and they're poop, farting or whatever yeah. they're doing, like a la Blazing Saddles, and they say, where's this here taco sauce, mate? And they go, New York City, like that. And then they just, like, they don't it's want to. It's time it. to switch brands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But we also have here with a miraculous tasting. Now, listen, people, when you're tasting today, no mouth noises into the microphone. People get very mad (laughs) with the mouth noises into the microphone. You might know him as at our cook quest uh, on the Twitter. It's... um, and Instagram. <laughs> and Instagram. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you prefer?
3: It's the Most, same. Mostly Instagram because, uh, you know, Twitter's gone a little bit commercial and uh, kind what of...
1: What does that mean, commercial?
3: I, I just can't interact
1: with Well, say, this, is Rich, this is, this, this, this <laughs> is Rich. This is Richie from Boston, engineer, friend of the museum, uh, helped us a lot with the flavor exhibition, came in to help us a lot with menu development during the chow exhibition, uh, and is otherwise known by... Just to me, actually, as Captain Koji. So uh, (laughs) he's here with a bunch of, uh, he's been working, I don't know, what, three years?
3: Yeah, yeah, a little under three years, probably about two and a half.
1: Two on Koji, but uh, like kind of gone, kind of uh, Koji crazy. Like he'll put Koji on anything, like you know, like a mouse dies in the <laughs> cupboard, he'll cover that some gun with Koji and see what happens to it. And so he's brought us a, a bunch of Koji um, products. And uh, so you know, I think there's a good number of people, especially on this show, who are kind of hip to the hip to what Koji is. Why don't you give us the thirty second on Koji?
3: So koji is uh, basically a mold inoculated rice. Uh, the mold, this very specific mold, is called Aspergillus oryzae. Uh, it's used to power uh, uh, sugar production as well as uh, enzymatic activity to create amino here. acid. Oh, sorry, to create amino acids in uh, uh, with protein mediums. Uh, so. So kind of the world is your oyster in terms of what you can do with it, but primary uh, ideas in terms of what's out there, um, primarily Japanese, are sake, miso, and, um, you know, in terms of just in general, soy sauce. Those are the primary known mediums. Yeah, it's also
1: used on uh, katsuobushi, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So ba- basically, if you're Japanese and you don't have uh, aspergillas, you are hosed. You're just hosed. Yeah. You're totally. ruined. Yeah. Ruined, destroyed. So why don't you give us, a, again, the quick the thirty 30 second on, like, uh, inoculation
3: in general and what you do. So in terms of inoculation, what you need to do is basi- basically take a grain, uh, ter- take it to a certain level that, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, is al dente, such that the mold will grow on the surface of the grain— and then be able to proliferate. Not to be too sticky or wet, because other uh, microorganisms will grow outside of that. And then if the grain isn't uh, moist enough for the and soft enough for the uh, aspergillus to penetrate, um, it, it won't, and uh, it'll just basically not grow and, and uh, sporulate and give you something that you don't desire. You're lucky that Nastasia's not here because you
1: said sporulate, and that would like she would just like <laughs> rip the microphones out and walk away. <laughs> Like she hates the word spore. Imagine sporulate. That's yeah. the worst. Now, actually, we had a question a couple of weeks ago on uh, wild, uh, on wild kind of molding with uh, koji. You ever had or, or read about uh, uh, pathogenic Aspergillus uh, showing up on a wild type fermentation of koji? I've read some studies that say odds are that you're going to get a regular, like healthy one. I've read studies, about that, but it was years ago. Do you have any update to information on that?
3: Yeah, I haven't really looked into it. Um, I just feel like. You know, you can easily accessible. It's easily accessible to buy spores that are specific to what you need. And in terms of the flavor conversion, or whether it's focused on proteins or carbohydrates for sugars, I feel like it's so easy to just buy it. Yeah, I mean, but there, you know, on the meat front, so many people have tried to.
1: Um, Look, everything in life now, especially in the fermentation world, in in any of these food worlds, is a point of difference, and so everyone's trying to make their own products. So I know a lot of people have branched out in – obviously in beer with different yeast strains or in – cured meats with different, um, you know, bacterial and or, you know, they're, they're basically a shotgun. There's a bunch of different stuff, bacteria, yeast and everything, strains for their fermentation in um, sausages and whatnot. But you don't see that giant difference in like different exact strains of, of uh, Aspergillus
3: for koji versus, let's say, oh, yeast for beer. I, I wouldn't imagine so. I think any of the other flavors that you get are from other microorganisms micro doing their jobs. Mostly, what Aspergillus, in terms of what I've been investigating, is uh, the ability to create amino acids. And if you're just creating amino acids, you know maybe some have different ways of creating enzymes for different proteins. But in terms of a difference in umami, I I don't know if you can parse that. Okay, cool. Uh,
1: So just buy your spores, people.
3: Just buy them. Yeah, or get a small package and generate your
1: own. Yeah, right. generate your own. Well, you make it like like. T- by the way, it's not just for rice anymore. You do. Every, I don't know if you mentioned that because I was opening up the questions I have to answer later on. But you do. You, you, you inoculate everything. Like you inoculate like your family.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. I uh. So I brought some examples of things that uh, um that I've actually applied koji to. But yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of if you would, bring the koji, koji cheese, that's what I heard. I should I should try. Some yeah. Koji so cheese. so I have the, the koji cheese, which oh, is basically so um, what I'm calling a a miso method cheese because i'm already taking finished koji uh, and using and mixing it with ricotta and a little bit of salt and basically you create a particular cheese like substance that you can get on the order of flavor in two months due to the enzyme activity and then uh I'm, I'm looking at people it looks like a praline it looks like
1: a like a uh, praline's a, a multi-use term it looks like a chunk of brown Sh- like cooked brown sugar, Yeah.
2: like, like it might contain almost.
1: almonds or so- or, uh, or pecans. But it, it, oh, by the way, JW, are you a pecan or a pecan?
2: I'm a <laughs> pecan. You're a pecan. Pecan. He's from the Is that south, yes, Texas. Sir. Though you're from the south, west, man. Though, west west
3: Texas. All right. Just <laughs> eat that sparingly. It's pretty concentrated, like Parmesan.
1: So anyway, and it breaks up, and it looks almost like uh, like a cooked through like uh, soda bread, but it's one color all the way through, and it's it's kind of it's nuggetized. <sighs> It has a very... It has more of a Romano nose than, I would say, a uh, Parmigiano nose. What do you think, guys? Maybe.
2: In between.
4: i get the Parmigiano.
2: I'm getting some Parmigiano. You do get Romano? I get the smell of Romano, but I'm tasting some Parmigiano. Have you yeah. seen the movie Corky Romano? It is so intense. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Dude, it is. Oh, here it's goes good? my mouth noise. Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hold
3: up.
1: Yeah, okay. So, Peter, what do you think?
4: I mean, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to... Re- so, it has... The protein breakdown flavor in it, to me, honestly, is closer to, like, a Romano. Because to me, especially, like, uh, the Romanos, you get, like, a Locatelli-style Romano here in, in, the, in the U.S. are kind of heavily, heavily enzyme. They have a lot of breakdown a lot of breakdown flavors, so I'm getting a lot, a lot of breakdown flavors in it. What do you think? No? You think it's closer to a Parmigiano-style finish than a Romano-style finish? Closer to Romano. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the
3: nose is more. Yeah, super interesting. How long does this take? Uh, three months, start to finish. So wow, only two nice. months. And also, uh, for, for those of you who work in restaurant kitchens, uh, it takes about two months in uh, a reach-in or a walk-in. So you can do this under refrigeration conditions, safe, controlled uh, in a way such that, you know, you don't have to worry about the environment fluxing. Um, also, I, I've, I've pretty much um, put it in an environment where it's totally miso nice um, doesn't know, reach in hot, hot sound summers. dirty what? reach in sounds dirty doesn't well, it yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. gross yeah. kind of like reach around <laughs> yeah
3: oh man it was all it.
1: implicit Rich rich, on, man. rich you we'll are the new rich. line stepper Peter was our habitual <laughs> line stepper oh, yes you are the new line stepper nice. Right. Can I get a nice. nice hold on let me give him the line
4: stepping scepter here we are <laughs>
1: Because usually Peter's the guy that, like, you know, one st- just one step too far. Yeah. Like, you take it up to the brink, such that it's someone who doesn't already know.
4: I like to leave a little to the imagination, though. Oh, you know? uh, yeah? Yeah. All right. So. Okay, so what do we got next, yeah. boss? So,
3: uh, since we're already talking about misos, uh, one of the things, uh, in terms of El Paso, a buddy of mine who works uh, at Commonwealth uh, – restaurant in Cambridge, shout out. Uh, My buddy, Nico uh, Muratori, that I've been working with for a very long time on projects, uh, we dropped a whole bunch of koji into the kitchen, we started experimenting, and I said, you can pretty much add any protein to koji and create a delicious miso. So he pulled out this refried bean can of refried beans. There we and go. We made refried bean miso. What brand and, uh, what was it? Was it Goya? No, it was El Paso. Oh yeah, there we go. yeah. The, oh. the segue right there. The oh, no, yeah. link, baby.
4: So uh, I also had. I love how JW <laughs> brings out the accent.
3: You... So no, so I have buddy. some of that, um, but I added. So we did it. We added to. Uh, we had it on a, um, a dinner we did over the course of a few days on a workshop dinner tour of Koji. Uh, so we added some apple butter to make it kind of like a hoisin sauce. Uh, next to it, we have a uh, basically a full-out whey, uh, whey protein powder with a little bit of water and koji and salt to create a crazy umami-bombed uh, processed cheese. And then on a lark, even though I'm, I'm big on proteins, I took avocado and I made a miso with it. Uh, and it tastes pretty cool. Even though it doesn't have a lot of protein, it's got a pretty crazy flavor and texture. So... You can pass this no, yeah. around. We'll,
1: uh, we'll do straw on it so that we don't make mouth noises with the crackers. And then during yeah. the break, we can take bigger uh, chunks with, with uh, crackers. So hold on a sec. You
3: guys talk for a second while I taste here. Good job talking. So, so I found all this stuff in terms of if you're looking to create misos uh, short term, you know, in the course of a couple months, uh, what you look at is if you have some sort of animal protein, it seems like uh, in terms of the enzo- enzymatic action, it, mm-hmm. it occurs much faster. Uh, so if we're talking about uh, meats, you know, in terms of what uh, the folks of Noma had been doing for a while, making, you know, fish sauces and meat sauces. Uh, but dairy was one of those discoveries I it came upon, you know, a couple of years ago when I was first playing around. Thinking about what has protein, what has, you know, a minimum amount of fat. Actually, just the easiest way that I found to originally track it was I would just look at nutritional facts and match it against soybeans. Yeah. And then I just went on a lark and just went crazy and started adding everything. I've done bacon. I've done butter. How is bacon? Uh, it's actually crazy. Added umami. Um, it's not right. No. <laughs> it's not umami right. Umami overload. Yeah, it's umami overload. Yeah, I mean, you could add it to a stock, um, or you know, to
4: right.
3: to, to a sauce or good. something. Yeah. What uh, about yeah, what, are, what are what
4: other other failed misos? That's my. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. So, nice. so
3: uh, if you take butter because it's pretty much full out fat, and you leave it out really hot, and under normal like miso uh, fermentation uh, conditions, uh, because the uh, because uh, uh, koji actually creates I uh, um, uh, enzymes to break... Lipases to break down fats. You get rid of some acidity pretty yeah. easily. But also, sorry. like, breakdown fats... Fat breakdown products in cheeses. I can always
1: tell a full-fat cheese it's aged because those uh, lipid breakdown products, like, make my, my taste buds pop like little mushrooms. I can always tell. Hold on a second. Nastasia the Hammer Lopez has has Hello, graced us.
0: This?
1: Yeah.
3: you yeah. saved your seat. Hi.
0: Thank hey. you. That's
1: very nice. Uh, Peter tried to get JW to sit there so that you would <laughs> yell at him,
0: and I was like...
1: <laughs> You know, Peter, why would you enjoy somebody else's pain so much? It's not—it's not accurate.
4: Well, I'm just taking a page from the Stas book. Yeah, yeah. All right,
1: so Stas, so you can go back and taste the uh, the other stuff uh, in a second. So, what else was? What, what about this uh, cheddar block? Tell me about your uh, so, supermarket
3: cheddar block. So, supermarket cheddar block. Uh, basically, I took some super because um, a good friend of mine uh, named Jeremy Monsky has been uh, experimenting a lot with curing meats and aging meats with uh, growing aspergillus uh, with a rice flour pack. Uh, under the same conditions you would grow um, aspergillus on a grain uh, to create this, uh, basically this enzyme pack such that you can cure um, meats faster and create aging flavors really fast. Uh, so on the order of, you know, a third less time that you would normally uh, hang to dry. Uh, so what I did in, in terms of seeing what he was doing is because I was on this cheesecake, I just took some supermarket cheddar and I did this... this. Um, you know koji can aspergillus pack on the outside and basically when you do that it just has this enzymatic action but uh not so much in adding flavor to this particular piece of cheese but it kind of petrified it so it has this interesting drying effect through the through the enzyme activity that i don't quite understand so maybe if we have some scientists out there that would be really helpful to to try to understand this
1: now peter you tried this before so when you try it you can tell me what's going on right
4: yeah of course
1: (laughs) All right, what, uh, you got some meat here.
3: Yeah. So, uh, in terms of uh, one of the investigations that I was thinking about, because um, there was a lot of you know talk about whether you should do the um, koji growing on the on the surface of the meat or you should pack koji on the outside. So I just kind of went on a lark and decided because I had some brazola I was working on um, to basically put a. How are you co- actually supposed to say it, Dave? Uh, you say it. you're the you're know. the Italian Brasola. like
1: I don't know, but like but oh no, the way we say it, no, yeah. it's different. Like so, when I say like Boston style, are you
3: from Boston, Rich, or just went there because of school? Just uh, went there because of school, but uh, right. um, well, actually, I, I went to school in Amherst, but braciole, right? Like like, <laughs> but that's different. That's the
1: that skin. That is different. Yeah. That's the bracciole. Yeah. That's
3: like bracciole
1: Like you know what I mean? Like you gotta say it like. It's in the it's in the it's in the gravy. You you roll up the the pork and you Sorry. put it in the gravy and you get braciole. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anyway, Brazol. Go ahead. So
3: what do you got here? So uh, so I just decided. So I figured you know instead of growing the um, the particular aspergillus orzai on the surface with the rice pack, I would just take some finished koji, mix it in with a little bit of salt, like three percent salt, to ensure that other microbes wouldn't come into play, and I packed it around uh, a brazola and then. Uh, and then I cured it, so uh, it only took twelve days to get to the final. Uh, it actually got over the thirty percent; it got to thirty-three percent, and it creates this interesting. Um, it's a lot moister than uh, traditional uh, air-cured brisola. It's good too. What's the spices you put on that? Uh, I just put a curry spice. Yeah, in- curry. Yeah. yeah, into the um, into the koji pack. You're
1: a weird dude. Thank Cur- you. Curry, 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 curry dried beef. I like that. Y'all yeah, like the curry though. What do you guys think about the curry? I like
2: it a lot. Curry brizzoli.
4: You know he made um, um, miso fortune cookies with our fortune cookie machine.
1: Yeah, I didn't too. get to have yeah. one yet. It's actually it? gochuchong. Oh, gochuchong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Because <Yeah>. <laughs> we had it, yeah. It Peter, don't give us your alternate translation, all right? Because <laughs> Peter's got inappropriate alternate <laughs> translations wow. for anything.
4: Wow. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. Yep, you all know what gochu means in uh, Korean. Then, yeah, uh, yeah, I
1: don't. You know. uh, I've been told that like, you use a slightly <laughs> different version of the word when you mean the slang word that you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know.
4: Well, I'll just let that what
1: one. Might, what might... Oh, wait, wait, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I got to get to some questions. So let's, let's do this here. By the way, call in your freaking Koji questions now, like technical questions on how to use Koji. Why do you have beats here? Why beats? Did uh, you spray so it with extra geosmin? Yeah, no.
3: <laughs> no, uh, basically, so I was, you Nastasia's know. Spouse
1: giving you the beat eye with yeah. this. He like, loves beats. You're not doing it. I like beats? beats. No, I like beats. It's just I like a particular kind of beat. Right. First of all, you're like half oh, That was half a Patrick Russian. Martin
4: thing for a second there. Yeah. So you
1: should love beets. You should be swimming in beet juice on a constant I basis. I had a lot
3: of
2: beets growing up.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So, uh, and you just hated them?
1: No. Okay. So I can deal with uh, thin sliced, like, <laughs> ah, it's so pretty out beets. Right? Yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah. I can deal with fully cooked beets. Yeah. It's that in-betweener. Also, I really love par-dehydrated beets. Um, love par-dehydrated beets. It's those in-betweener beets where, like, you get a giant chunk of beet, and it's, like, not cooked, and it's not not cooked, and then somehow they manage to cook the dirt flavor into the beet instead of getting like the—
0: Like, here we get three big baseballs of beets as a dish. I can't uh. I can't
1: plow my way through a baseball of beet. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, beet in chunks I can deal with. What are your guys' thoughts on, on baseballs of beets?
2: I was actually just exposed to beets when I came up to New York um, at Lupa and I had to cook about, like, 60 pounds a week of beets— and so I had a lot of baseball beat experience and, you know, to be honest I, I a, I'm a baseball beat fan yeah it grew, it grew on me
1: grew so you would just me. pick up like a beat that's crap's running down your arm learning yeah. your whites <laughs> and you take a big old shawl your teeth are all stained running down the sides of your mouth and uh, you're like yeah I'm down that's what you guys should no see Nastasha's face
4: Rich Rich we had that uh, salt baked beat at uh, mm. what's it called Ager uh, yeah, yeah yeah, that yeah, sounds
3: it, good Gunnar gets yeah. one of
1: my one of my earliest memories yeah. a nightmare Memories is that we did a salt cooked fish. My mom decided to do it, and the salt crust collapsed, and we couldn't get all the salt off the oh, fish, geez. and so it was more like death. Salt. Yeah, and like my mom, who's a fantastic cook and a pediatric cardiologist, like world renowned for starting the transplant program at Columbia, the first pediatric heart transplant ever. And the only thing that my stepfather gives her constantly reminds her of is that one freaking fish. <laughs>
3: With the, with so the she saved thing. lives. <laughs> saved so
1: many lives. Like literally so many lives that no one, no one else would have transplanted these kids. And, and yet that's what that's what she's going to be remembered for, that one fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so what do we got with the beets? And, so, and, yeah. so it's a better zuke preparation. Uh, traditionally, it's done with uh, daikon. So I just took the recipe straight out of um, the Book of Miso. Uh, by Shirtleaf Shirt- Call yeah. out Shout out to yeah. Shirtleaf Yeah it's my goal To bring that back Into publication I
1: told It's not in publication No I told no. you I called him On the phone and He yeah. picked up And insulted me
3: What What did he say? Yeah. I, saw, I was like Listen This is a long
1: time ago And he Literally he picked up The phone I was like Okay Cause like I thought I was gonna get Like you know Somebody somebody Dot peon At soy organization Yeah sure Yeah soy Whatever and he picks up and I was like, Um, have you had I was trying to do alternate tofus. Sure. And this was yeah. way, way before my band name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like long, long time ago. And I was like, Can you make it with edamame? And he almost like if he could have, like, choked me with peace through the phone, he would have, like, choked me out with peace. He's like, that is such a waste of edamame. Why would you try to make tofu out of edamame? I was like, my people have a lot of money. It's not about saving the world through protein. It's just about food. You know what I mean? I was asking, trying to ask him about alternate things. And he was just like, look, soybeans are for tofu. Edamame is for eating. Look, that's it. You know what I mean? He was not having it. He – so Shirtleaf, the guy who wrote the book of Tofu and the book of Miso, we've talked about him many times on the air, and his wife, whose name I can never pronounce, which is why I never say her name.
3: Yeah. Uh, I feel you on that
0: one. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, uh, which I feel bad. Like, I would give her, like, the credit she is due if I could pronounce her name. Or, and because I can't pronounce her name, I can't remember it, yeah. which is a freaking nightmare. It's horrifying. I should, like, anyway, Whatever. And she didn't pick up the phone. If she had picked up the phone, I would have made the, you know, the conscious effort to uh, remember. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is that he wanted to save, they wanted to save the earth through um, uh, protein.
3: You know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't work so much though. I think they should have. I mean, if people knew what um- umami bombs were back then then it would have been a totally different story. Yeah, so the two of them wrote two books,
1: uh, The Book of Tofu, The Book of Miso. Please do not buy... There is a pocket version that's reasonable, and then there's a pocket version that's mutilated. Please get, when you're getting it, make sure you get the full-on edition. When they hacked up uh, one of one or two... I forget, I've seen several editions of their books that have been hacked up in such a way that they don't flow well and they're kind of unreadable. If you can, get the large format one. They're the, they're the easiest on the eyes and the best to read. Rich, agree? Yeah. I own I own four copies. What's your last name?
2: <laughs> just, I don't know. Not sure leaf.
3: okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. so, so on those pickles basically I took I took that technique. Uh, you you just make a slurry out of Koji uh, co- 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 you've made or a koji co- you've bought. you add cooked rice and a little bit of sake and salt. and then you have this pickling slurry and you let it ferment out for about a week. And then you just add um, you add typically root vegetables to it because they can ha- kind of handle the the uh, the environment and hold up. Uh, and then I've just found it to be delicious. The crunchy,
1: other... they are crunchy. Is that bad or good? Well, in my normal realm, th- that's not so good. But I'm remembering now. I'm thinking of them now more as sukimono as pickles, <laughs> and so I can. T- uh, it's good. It's good. Nastasha it's, does not like it's them at lying. all. <laughs> <laughs> What's the face? What is the face? That's, that's the most polite I've ever seen Nastasia be in her life. A look of horror with it fine. No, but listen. Must document. Nastasia, Nastasia, like you need to rearrange your, your mind. Like you and I have an idea of what something's supposed to be. So just re- rearrange your mind. This is now a we're now in Tsukimono land. We're not in like Western Beatville. One thing I will say is that um I can taste starch more in this beet than I normally can taste in beets. I wonder why that's the case. So like when you eat an apple that has some residual starch, it's got a note. That, and usually in an undercooked beet or non oh, – I guess it's non-cooked. It's not undercooked or is it cooked? It's, it's raw. It's raw. It's, uh, so yeah, okay. So that's why. I'm not used to having a raw beet of this texture. So I get a little bit of that starch note, which lovers of pea shoots will love.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of those beats.
1: Yeah. yeah. Are you a lover of pea shoots? I do like pea shoots. Why? <laughs> 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 just messing with you. You're allowed to like whatever you want. <laughs> All right, host, let's get some questions before right. we have to go to break. <sighs> And then we'll talk more about uh, Koji. But if I don't get to some of these questions, Nastasia is going to be – see, when I get off the air, Nastasia is just going to be like, you didn't answer any of those damn questions. Because it's I, like
0: three weeks behind, right? <laughs> uh,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: details. But details.
1: I'm going to handle one from th- uh, this week be- uh, because it needs a bunch of people talking about it. Well,
0: All right. Wait. Okay, wait let's wait, do wait. that. Let's do that and then take a break, huh?
1: All right. Uh, Rich, you got a couple more things for us to taste we'll talk about after the break? Yeah. We'll, right. we'll do it after break. Okay. Andrew from Los Angeles writes in regarding toast. (laughs) Greetings, Dave, the Hammer, and family. I consider myself a knowledgeable amateur cook and I'm comfortable with a variety of techniques and cuisines. I say this first because my question is super basic. How do you make toast? Lately, I feel like my toast game is lacking. The bread doesn't get crunchy enough unless it's boint. I've had some pretty delicious toast out at various breakfast spots, but I can't seem to replicate that at home. I know enough to avoid saga the toast by, say, putting on a plate directly after toasting. Oh, my God. Even thinking about that freaking toast steaming itself on a plate is making me angry. Uh, It's just making me virulently angry right now. But I could use some more pro-wisdom. Should I look into a new toaster? I don't know. You didn't tell me what kind of toaster (laughs) you're using. How do I know? I don't know what you have. Uh, although the toaster does make a huge difference. Um, if I'm not getting the... Uh, uh, should I look into a new toaster if I'm not getting the desired outcome? Toaster oven versus standard slotted toaster, uh, you know, etc. Is this entirely about the brand of bread? Uh, do I have to be a crazy person and leave sliced bread on the counter every night to get it appropriately stale? Any and all thoughts would be appreciated. Love the show. Andrew from Los Angeles. First of all, you should go and read... Oh, my God. What's... Uh, so the wife' name is Matt what's his name John Thorne had a book several books they write in Maine I think it's um, I forget they have a bunch of books look them up one of them has an essay on toast that's quite good um, but I can't remember the name of uh, which one it is they have I can't even remember the name of any of their books now but it's all like pig fire stuff like this but like w- like one has an essay on toast which is definitely worth the read Toast is an underappreciated uh, uh, product, and the, the, there is no one toast. It's not like Highlander, where there can be only one. There are multiple toasts. And so the question is, what are you looking for in a slice of toast? And I would say that the average American in a, in a slice of toast wants a crispy but not burnt exterior, but a still still soft interior. Am
2: I right? Yeah, I'll agree with that.
1: Yeah. Whereas there are a, a host of people, when they say toast, they want something basically fully melbified, like... A uh, you know crunchy throughout a desiccated rusk right now uh, so and a lot of this has to do with the with the toasting rate and I'll say it again and I've said it a billion times on the air this is all about the miracle of moisture management right toast is all a moisture management technique so uh, there there is a huge difference in quality between different toasters that's for sure right uh, on evenness on um, on on everything on the on the programming. You can, in general, get decent toast out of any uh, any toaster you desire. But in general, if your toast isn't coming out the way you want it, I would do two toastings on a. I would do two light toastings with a rest in between, rather than a single long toasting to the desired color that's going to give you a little more dehydration on the outside of the bread and after the very first toasting when it comes out you'll flash some of the moisture off and ruin the kind of base initial very blonde crust that you produced and then when you put it in for the second time you're going to develop a little more of a durable crust on the outside but you won't have dehydrated it all the all the way through if you want a very dehydrated internal with a very very long lasting crust for let's say You're going to put something on top like bruschetta or something like this. Then I would say multiple low uh, passes or just throw it in the freaking oven at uh, a low baking temperature with air circulation. The other thing is as soon as the toaster turns off, open the toaster oven, Uh, if you're using an oven. Open the toaster oven, let the steam come out. When you look at your toaster oven, JW, do you not see that freaking condensation on the inside of the toaster oven? Yeah, yeah, I see it. And does that not cause your heart pain
2: it does it causes a little little t- a little tinkle.
1: right, right. So first thing I'd say is let's say you're using a toaster oven. I would do a you know, a relatively short toast, then I would open it and let it flash off, wait a couple minutes, toast it one more time, light, and you should get a good quality uh, toast. That's the answer. on a pop-up toaster, I don't really think. I mean maybe moving it slightly because uh, if your toaster is particularly crappy, you'll notice that uh, it puts banding on your toast and not just banding on where the grates are, but you can literally see the heating elements running along your toast. This is an indication that your toast is probably – that's not uh, an even enough um, kind of heat. Perhaps the reflector on the bottom of your thing is, is uh, very dirty. You're not getting a lot of uh, radiate heat back up, or there's a number of reasons. But you know, if you need to move it to even it out, you can do that too, or, or just get a higher quality toaster oven. Anyone else agree or disagree on my toast technology? Anything further to add on toasting? Sounds like a pain in the ass to get some good toast. It's super easy. <laughs> Look, it's it, 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 this is like everything else. This is like my new book. If you don't, if you if you're not into this, then just don't buy the new book. <laughs> it's thinking a lot ahead of time, but making your life easy. Like in other words, like you're putting your toast in, and you're hitting it, and you're hitting go, and you're walking away, and coming back, and it's done. All I'm advocating is that in between that, you like turn it off, let it flash off for like you know thirty, forty seconds, let it cool down a little bit, then run it through another toast cycle. That's all.
2: So you're saying toaster oven's the way to go over a pop-up toaster?
1: No, I think you could do the same thing in a pop-up toaster. A pop-up toaster shoots the toast up and allows pretty good Mm airflow. So, like, I would just set your pop-up toaster to, like, a lower level than you normally would and then just let it pop, hit it again, let it pop, and go. And then it's just dialing in how long those short segments are. But you're going to get a better toast. Look, if you want crappy toast, that's
2: up to you. <laughs> well, I'm kind of in a mix right here because I, I have my grandmother's toaster, and so it's <laughs> sentimental, but it fundamentally produces crappy toast. So What style of toaster? Toastmaster. Toastmaster pop-up? pop-up from, like, 1976 or something like that? Uh,
1: yeah, you might, like, do... So, if it's pop-up, is it, like, what's bad about the toast?
2: Yeah. It, like... So the knob doesn't really work, so you don't really know how you're gonna if you're going to over-darken it or if you're going to lightly darken it. You need
1: to keep that knob in one freaking position. You need to dial that sucker in and then, like, let her go. Well, Paso's more of
2: a tortilla game, so we never really kind of jumped into You put tortillas in a pop-up toaster? No, no, but I, I don't really—that's why I guess I don't know the art of toast, per se, and haven't really paid attention to the quality of the toast. And so— I don't know. Yeah. Also, I like
1: crappy American bread for toast. I do. For a sandwich. Uh, For a sandwich. Here's something else I would say. I'm going to make a small pitch here, a large pitch actually. If you're getting a new toaster, one of the advantages of a toaster oven is the bagel setting. And the bagel setting is the best thing to happen to toasters since toasting. (laughs) Because there are many things on earth, a bagel is not one of them because I don't toast bagels, but uh, there are many things on earth where you want toasting on the one side only. Do you guys agree with me on this? Mm. Yeah. yeah. A hamburger <clears throat> bun, I don't want the part touching my hands to be toasted. I want the part touching the mayonnaise and or the the burger. Yeah. I want that to be toasted. Prevent right?
3: sogginess too. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. That's functional and delicious, but I want I want the top of my sesame seed bun to be a bun and not a piece of toast. Yeah. Uh And there are you get a patty melt, fluffy.
4: Uh, to
1: I would it. always get a patty melt. If someone says, "Would you have what, like, would you have a patty melt?" I pretty much they can just stop. They can just stop. Would you like a patty melt? And as soon as they say the word "or," I'm like, I'm done because that's what I want. Right. Patty melt is like God's, like what God would do to a burger. That's why it's not even a hamburger in my mind. It's like no, it's, it's another category of awesome. Yeah. Like I love the patty melt, but uh, anyway, pa- patty melt. Obviously, you don't. That's an interesting question. I'm, I'm would rumored. you pre-toast would you pre-toast the inside of a patty melt? I don't. Do I? No. You want
3: to take a break and think about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is that a hint?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. We'll come right back with yeah. more questions on cooking issues. Red mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of, national supplier, that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard to get grains. And other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Joule, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a pretty good cook. Maybe you already know that sous vide is the best way to get a kick-ass, juicy steak. And with Jewel, a new sous vide tool from Chef Steps, you can do so much more. Smoky tender ribs, homemade yogurt, creme brulee, bright, crunchy pickles, vibrant purees, even smooth, creamy ice cream, all perfectly cooked every time. Joule is sleek and small enough to fit in your kitchen drawer, and it's operated by an Elegant smartphone app that's been designed to remove the guesswork, get you cooking faster, and give you the information and inspiration you want when you want it. Browse Chef ChefSteps amazing recipes and helpful guides. Choose your perfect doneness for any meat, and get notified when your food is ready. You know you'll get great results, so you can focus on sides and sauces, or just pour yourself a cocktail and chill until you're ready for a delicious dinner. For more information and to order yours now, visit ChefSteps.com/joule. And we're back. Uh, We didn't answer Javier about his equipment question, did we, Nastasia? No, we didn't. Okay. I hope you're doing well. I wanted to send a question for the uh, show but don't have the address. Well, apparently you found it. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at expanding the equipment for my kitchen. I live in a small apartment, so I don't have too much space to put many appliances, and I wanted to get a suggestion on what I should get next. I currently own uh a immersion circulator. Unfortunately it's not a Jewel. I guess because you know we had Juul is a sponsor of our program. We had Chris on, what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, a Vitamix, uh, KitchenAid, a copycat EC Whipper, and a pre-order the spins all. Thank you. You have everything you need then, baby. <laughs> um, I was looking at a vacuum chamber machine, the RE Vacmaster two fifteen. Rich, you ever use that one?
3: Nope.
1: No, I know JW hasn't because he's got the
3: fancy uh, uh-huh. fancy mini
1: pack. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't know if I should go for it on another machine like it or a different type of equipment. Any suggestions? I would only use it at home, so I'm debating whether I should shell out $500 plus for a machine like that. Thanks for your help. Best, Javier. So, uh, Javier. So here's my issue. I've never used that. All these years later, I've, what?
2: The way you said Javier. Javier.
1: <laughs> Javier. Whatever, man. So I was going French.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: uh, anyway. Week. Weak. So, weak. I'm known weak sauce. I'm the sauce that is weak. Sauce.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, so uh, my point is this. Uh, I've never used that machine. Uh, I should probably, since I'm doing this book that has sous on it, just bite the bullet and buy or steal one or find someone that has one and use it. Uh, now I'm going to actually go French Hervé, Chef Hervé Malever From uh, the uh, French Culinary Well, the ICC, formerly the French Culinary Institute He seems to like it But I've never used it And I, and I will never, I can't ever, won't ever recommend A piece of equipment that I haven't used um, Just because that would be stupid on my part um, But, uh, you know, like what you I don't know the ultimate vacuum it can produce Really for a vacuum, vacuum machine at home Is super handy Um most things you can do without a vacuum machine but i gotta be honest when like i'm doing chicken marination or any kind of marination i throw crap in the vacuum machine because it just makes the marination happen faster it just does like vac packing the stuff down uh and for infusions and when you're packing stuff to freeze you want to get all the oxygen out so vac packing for freezing is like a really smart idea to maintain quality on long frozen items um you can get away with a zippy, but but vacuuming is generally a lot better. I, um, I only like chamber machines. I think that this, the one you're talking about, I can't remember whether it has a chamber or whether it's uh, like a chamber-like one or something like this. But I really only recommend chamber machines. Uh, I will say this. Mini Pack, which is the company who uh, makes the unit that I use, uh, and that JW Mini Pack, not not MultiVac, yeah, right? You. Yeah, you know why to get Mini is because they care about cooks, whereas MultiVac could give a rat's behind about you. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about bad. you or your problems, not at all. Uh, I want a Mini You want a Mini Pack? We all want <laughs> a Mini Pack, but they're coming out with a well, they're coming out with a new uh, home unit called uh, the, like the Cube. Um, in the next six months or so. Right. And so I'm waiting. When, when that comes out, unfortunately, I don't think it will be out in time for my book uh, to be in it. But I am have high hopes for it. It's a relatively small unit. It will allow uh, for chamber and for external uh, vacuum. But I can't comment on it because they're not using – see, all the good vacuum machines use what's called a bush pump but, uh, or equivalent. It's an oil-based vacuum pump. And they just kick so much behind. That's why, like – uh food savers are you know relatively useless for that sort of stuff because they have those little piston pumps they're like and then like they get they get jammed with you know what no one's ever done that i know of here's a trick for you uh food saver people uh has anyone ever modified a food saver for a wolf jar you know what a wolf jar is So a wolf jar is vacuum in and vacuum out all from the top and it collects liquids in the bottom. So like I could imagine modifying a food saver with one of their smaller because it takes a long time to evacuate those things with that crappy little pump. But you could probably (laughs) handle liquids. uh, Oh, no, but you can't because you got to put the freaking seal bar. Someday I'll just make my own, like, like uh, DIY. I'll just make, like, a $100 DIY. Like, That's all. Not, not for production because people already are in that business. But, I mean, just like, a, you know, you have access to, like, a, a, fun, a fundamental wood shop or a 3D printer. Here's a vac machine. Yeah, because you can't wolf jar that sucker, son of a gun. I don't know. Anyway, it would be good if you could. Then you wouldn't need a chamber as much. But I would I would wait for a chamber machine. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. How do you like your new chamber machine? I love it. <clears throat> I love it. Okay.
2: I'm still practicing yeah. on it a lot, though. <laughs> Froggy, why don't you take a glass yeah. of water? No, no, no. Working, working.
1: No, no, no. All right, hold on. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so listen. Hey, I was doing that on the plane, annoying the hell out of people on the plane, but what about that guy that got drug off the United yeah. Airlines it's Like Wow. Oof. And the airline is like, what do you mean? What's the problem? Uh, I was that's like, crazy. It's, it's like... Uh, it's like once you're seated, that's it. My butt's in the seat. Yeah,
2: you know what I totally mean. Agree with that.
1: You got a lot of stones to try and take me out of my seat. You know what would I mean. Would you rather have them step over you? Like- I would. I would rather them put that crew on another immediate flight or just break, look, you messed up, put them in the cockpit in the jump seat, like have them stay in <laughs> yeah. the freaking restrooms.
4: You, you just keep upping what you're offering until somebody, but somebody's going to at some
0: point.
1: Yeah. To, yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, we can't up it that much. Yes, you can. 30 free flights. Get off my yeah. freaking plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot, okay. than, a
0: lot cheaper than what they have to do now. Yeah. yeah
1: right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 They lost two, like as of when I left uh, my apartment this morning, they had already lost like two two and a half to three percent of their entire company value on the stock market, based on that decision. So it's like maybe they should have offered a couple more free flights. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah you know what I mean. But the thing
4: is also like drag na- somebody off a plane. Uh,
1: yeah, r- the I mean I don't know. That's not a, it's not a food related not a food related question. So we should probably right. we have enough food related questions. So uh, shy wrote.
4: Wait, maybe the guy like pea shoots though. In which case, yeah, yeah, get him off there. Maybe what? Like maybe he like pea shoots. Yeah, or or, or just
3: like a baseball beat. <laughs> Oh, oh, I get you. Pea yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: baseball beats, pea shoots, a, t- a chicken, a turkey wrap, and uh, how about some. Why well, you gotta hate on the turkey? Alfalfa's it's alfalfa's not the turkey that I hate, sprouts. it's the wrap that I hate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking
1: of wraps, so uh, we talked about Juarez and the burrito a little bit. Did we talk about bars? Did we talk about bars on here, Anastasia? The Juarez bars? No. So I'm, all the old, well, JW took what? us to all the old school bars. They all have, uh, the bar is an integrated urinal, so you just <laughs> yeah. pee where you stand. I have to what? call this into question, yeah.
4: though. I'm calling this into the question
2: so so yeah we, we've always thought it was a urinal but isn't that what the lady said someone else called it out and saying that it was something like a trash bin like someone like no, so it. that's what i'm saying yeah, I've, yeah, been, what I've been i've been to that.
4: lots of bars in spain where they have the trough under the bar and that's where you throw your napkins the ones that really do a horrible job at wiping up anything mm-hmm. then also you throw like your shells and like uh do you know just,
1: Mexico's its own country
4: well i'm <laughs> saying that it's, it's quite possibly something that was brought over from spain and that would explain. That'd be a much more rational reason. It's a, It's crazy to think oh, of oh, dudes.
1: Oh, oh, it's so irrational. What about the old thing that you used to hear about people at uh, Oktoberfest peeing down their canes?
4: Right.
2: Yeah. Old
1: thing meaning like this happens like now.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure potentially Kentucky Club might have been an all male bar when it first opened up. So I could I could see that.
1: That's what the lady at so Club Tuesday said. need to yeah. verify
4: this. Yeah. yeah. Although hey, I like the idea. Why hitting... would you
1: throw a napkin in a trough?
4: Just so you don't have to throw it on the floor.
1: You Um, are throwing it on the floor. Someone's still going to have to go down into the trough and lift that napkin out. They
4: do that. (laughs) Where people are peeing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Someone, some sort of bar expert, please get on this. Anyway. Uh, for whatever they're not, they're no longer used, and I'm sure there's no faster way to get your your behind handed to you than Uh-oh. to either throw your throw by your it. garbage or your urine in there. First of all, urine, <laughs> by the way, is a lot more friendly than your garbage.
4: Dave, I gotta just drop a little hate right now. I I, I talked to Doc Scans since okay. that episode when you talked about him filming Nick Wong uh, and Nick Wong just saying Nick eh. Wong
1: was here during that. I know. So
4: he, I, I've seen the video evidence, and your account of the video is uh, erroneous. <laughs> Straight oh, up erroneous. Oh wow.
1: Well, okay. So, so <laughs> why don't we erroneous?
4: Erroneous. Yes. Mm. What is it? Yeah. Well, no. Oh. I mean, I, in fact, Nick. Yeah. Right, right. Right, Nick, right, right. No, Nick, Nick says he's no, He's excited to see Doc's guns. And then, um, you know, he said, "I, he was, I wasn't it, it, saying that
1: then, he was hating on Doc's guns. It's just Nick. Nick is a very head down, cook work." not say anything that he's not authorized to say kind of an individual. Yeah. That's the point. It's not that he's hating on DocsGons. Yeah. Is that if you're like, will you make some comments on this kitchen? The answer is going to be no. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, have you ever met Nick? Do you hang out with Nick? You're like, try to get him to say something. He's going to be like, no. Because what if he says something that's not what the chef wants him to freaking say? Duh not, 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 (laughs) Shy writes in, after tasting some, in quotes, grill-flavored snacks, which are obviously not grilled, I wondered how this flavor is created. I did a quick patent search and got some interesting, if confusing results. The concept seems to be a breakdown of oil and amino acids at high temperatures. Yeah, there's like rancidity, they're like in contact with metal ions, There's all sorts of stuff. It seems uh, oxygen or lack uh, of it also has some effect. I'll appreciate some explanation of this flavor and the process that produces it, and perhaps also some uses for it home kitchen thanks shy well I don't really know precisely how it's done it's a super dark art what happens in the flavor houses did you ever talk to the, our flavor guys about, uh, about that about what did you talk to them about like w- fake wok hay flavors
4: yeah, we talked talk to Julie a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's We identified the chemical compounds that actually create, that are like what waké is.
1: Right, and a lot of it is like overcooked oil, like yep. things that catch on fire, uh, reactions of oil in the presence of um, ferrous metal ions. Yeah, the ca-
4: carbon steel. Yeah, yeah,
1: so carbon steel. So all, all of that uh, plays in, but also a lot of these quote unquote gr- grill flavors also have the meat flavor thrown into it and all the fake meat flavors are like very complicated and this goes to Rich what you're into very complicated protein breakdown products that happen in large reactors and so like a lot of this kind of like reactor based flavor chemistry is all about the exact feedstock the exact temperature that they're reacting it at to get break it down so it's all very super complicated and the reason you can't find information on it is because they don't want you to know like it's all super proprietary how all those kind of uh, flavors work other than the, the basics that we can all look at which is people have done GCMS work on grilled food and kind of seen what has come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, okay. So let me see. Any, any more of a... Let's see if we answered that question, that question. All right, let's go on to this. Daiquiri. Dan from... Dan Dan with a Daiquiri question from Chicago. Do you like Daiquiri's, Rich?
3: A uh, traditional daiquiri.
1: Yeah, yeah. As opposed a, to what?
3: I don't know the strawberry crap.
1: That's not even a daiquiri. Don't even call that a daiquiri. Hemingway daiquiri is another form of daiquiri that I dislike. But like uh, those things in New Orleans are not daiquiris. Yeah. I don't know what they are. J.W. Are you a daiquiri man?
2: Nah, not really a daiquiri fan. What? I don't really know much about daiquiris either, to be honest. Maybe I had two in my whole life. What? you got to fix yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. We, get, could, we could change it up. Mix. I'm open. I'm open to it.
1: you got to mix one up for them, then. I wish that the Greek gods were real <laughs> so that a thunderbolt could fly out of the sky and strike you down. Strike me down. Take you. What take strike me
0: down. Isn't daiquiri, isn't that like the drink that when you're applying for a bartending job they ask you to make?
1: It's one of them. It's, a, it's an indicator drink. So, uh, like, the Manhattan's an indicator drink. Can someone make a decent Manhattan? Daiquiri is an indicator drink. Uh, it, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, anyway, I'm, I can't even go. I can't even go on. People. Uh, Dan writes, "I'm working on improving my daiquiri game, which is currently very weak." Uh, Nastasia, the daiquiri is weak. You are weak. Yeah, I like. Lo- JW's what? doing some selfies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nastasia, <laughs> what?
3: I think I, I can do that too. What? Did you see his shirt?
1: No. What does it say? Always, always be creating. So th- we have more than one Amen. Glengarry Glenn Ross reference in the room right now.
3: Nice. Yeah,
1: uh, anyway, uh, shout out ideas and food. Yeah, Dan. Oh wait, that's a that's an Alex, ideas and food t-shirt. Yeah. He came up. Is, yeah. he, is he a fan of? Uh, are they a fan of Glengarry Glenn Ross? I would imagine so. Alex and Aki are yeah. Glengarry Glenn Ross fans. Is anyone not a fan of Glengarry Glenn Ross? Dave, have you seen Glengarry Glenn Ross?
0: Yeah, a long time ago.
1: Do you not occasionally watch Alec Baldwin's monologue on the
3: YouTube? It's baller.
0: What you you do it like every so often just to pump yourself up? You have to re
2: up yourself, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you have to like get it back. JW, no. Once again, I'm I'm drawing a blank here.
4: Oh, oh.
3: you gotta see. uh, I'm I'm
2: gonna. I have a
3: DVD. Yet another thunderbolt strikes his pile of ashes. Okay, Okay, I will send it to you,
1: (laughs) Alec Baldwin. Regardless of where you stand on Trump and his Trump imitation. One of the great monologues of all times, all times, yes. is the speech that he gives to the salespeople in Glengarry Glen Ross, where uh, it's just like it needs to be. And first of all, like a super sexy '80s Alec Baldwin, am I right, Nastasia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like super hardcore, like yeah. And it's just like, you know, Baldwin at his best. Got to go see that.
0: Only closers get coffee.
1: Yeah. Put the coffee down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just love that movie. Anyway, uh, so many good people in it. It's not about movies. It's about food. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm working on my daiquiri game, which is very weak, (laughs) and I was wondering what particular rum brands and types you recommend for the classic daiquiri versus the Hemingway daiquiri versus the Thai basil daiquiri. I have to say at Booker and Dax, we switched up. What um, what rum we used for either of those two? Uh, since you're in Chicago, I mean, like if you're in if you're abroad, like I really I like Havana Three is really nice uh, Havana Club Three, but you can't get that here yet. Even though Castro's is dead, like, you still can't get that here yet. I think a lot of that is because um, that. Trademark is is in um, contention between Bacardi and a bunch of other people, but that's a good one. <laughs> Florida Cognac, the the white one, uh, the, is uh, one kind of one of the standard ones that we um, used. Uh, I like that. I, uh, <clears throat> I like any sort of like vaguely fruity, not solventy smelling, not overpowering. I wouldn't go heavy hogo, although a heavy hogo daiquiri can also be good. Look, Jack Shram, uh, you know, formerly a Booker and Dax, a head bartender now at, at Nomad. He was. Uh, he loved Super Hogo, which is that ho- – ho- hard to describe. Hogo is that smell in certain rums like Smith and & Cross and Ray and & Nephew, uh, Apple and all this. Uh, he loved like Hogo in a daiquiri and he even liked like an aged rum daiquiri. I prefer white rum in a da- in regular daiquiri uh, and what works in a regular daiquiri works in a Thai basil daiquiri. You should just never make a Hemingway daiquiri, so don't worry about what rum to use in a Hemingway daiquiri. And if you should make the mistake of making a Hemingway daiquiri, add a little extra sugar to it. Additionally, I just purchased a BDX cocktail cube and was wondering: when I'm creating a cocktail with egg white, do I use the cocktail cube during the dry shake and the shake with ice, or just during the shake with ice? Use it both, Dan. Both. All right. Uh, we have we have more time, right? No, you don't. Uh, we have an alkaline noodle uh-uh. question. Uh, we have a. Well, first uh, of all, we I don't
4: want to do the alkaline noodle question.
1: We have one more a, question, Dan. Oh, we have so many though. One more. So <laughs> choose wisely. All right, Rich. What the do you want? What do you want? What do you want to talk about? I like alkaline noodles. You have a lot of alkaline noodles. We also have like a, a, lot, oh, of, a just, lot of a lot of questions. Do the alkaline and I
4: know yeah, yeah.
1: We about like indie Jesus I and blue an old one. I have an idea. Time's Why don't ticking. we spend
4: this time exactly. talking about the question we want to answer? Time you know ticking.
1: You know what? You're, you're, you're not a you're not a I nice love person, what here. You're, you're just not a nice person. All right, Jesse writes in uh, what um, making ramen noodles at home. He also has a question or she he. Uh, also has a question on uh, on pureeing uh, salsas, but we'll get to that next week. Making ramen noodles at home. Alkaline noodles require an alkaline uh, element. Baking soda can be baked uh, to change from sodium bicarbonate to sodium carbonate, which is a stronger base. On a molecular level, what is physically different about alkaline noodles from other noodles? I'm not a very scientific person, but I remember reading something about the bonds in the noodles and hydrogen molecules. I was hoping Dave could break it down. Jesse. So what you're talking about is a <clears throat> hydrogen bonding, but on further research... And you guys are probably, uh, uh, you know, all know this, but in my mind, it's always been, you know, gluten network, acidity makes it weaker, which is why sourdough bread is kind of slack sometimes and has problems. And alkaline uh, conditions make the gluten network stronger. But as I was researching uh, today, just to make sure, it turns out it's a lot freaking more complicated than that. And I don't know that anyone actually... um, has it? I mean, I don't know. That's 100 percent figured out. Uh, I think it's mostly figured out, but it's not as simple as alkaline uh, situations make the gluten network stronger because there's also starch interactions uh, with, um, the alkaline, um, with, with the alkaline with the
3: um, alkaline condition. So I don't know. Do you know anything about it, Rich? I don't know anything about it, but I know Alex um, helped me in terms of accelerating the cook time for uh, koji rice by doing an alkaline bath. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, what do you mean? Basically, he did an alkaline bath before we did a steaming, and it basically powered the cook time to, like, 15 minutes versus uh, almost an hour.
1: Right. So, well, what happens is in alkaline conditions, uh, starch – like, vegetables and things like that, starches and pectins break down a lot more quickly than they would in a – than they would in an acidic environment, which is why – one of the reasons why – so you know how, like, they say that when you add acid to a veg, it – when you add acid to a veg, it, it like, has the problem of uh, the acidity causes the chlorophyll to go bad faster. Right. But it also takes longer to cook. When I used to do vinegar-baked uh, vinegar, I used to cook potatoes in vinegar for vinegar fries, and it would take for freaking ever. Yeah. You ever try that? No, takes I haven't. forever. Um, So that's why when you add a pinch of uh, baking soda to something to keep it green, right, I think there's two things going on. One, I think that the alkaline conditions help uh, preserve the chlorophyll, making it greener. But it also accelerates quite drastically the cooking time, right, which is why things go mushy. Which is why the interesting thing to do is instead of adding baking soda to your broccoli water, add Calcium hydroxide, because the calcium will strengthen the pectin at the same time that the b- basic nature of it will uh, help the greening. So you get kind of the best of uh, of both worlds. So uh, on the way out, I know we have to leave. We also tasted from uh, Rich some straight koji, right? Yeah, jasmine rice koji. Jasmine rice koji. What do you guys? What do you think, guys? I liked it. Peanut, yeah. but, peanut butter miso cookies. What do you think? Peanut butter miso cookie.
4: Delicious.
1: Yeah. All right. And uh, we tasted some. Uh, we, you said you used uh, Tozy's. Uh, uh, which yeah,
3: basically I, I uh, hacked the Tozy recipe on uh, her butterscotch, which is basically brown sugar, miso, um, and a little bit of water and butter. And you just pretty much mix it or blitz it, dissolve it out, and then you have uh, pretty much a butterscotch without any sort of uh, sugar cooking. Nice, yeah, nice.
1: All right, so cool. So go on to uh, Rich's Instagram, uh, our Cook Quest. Uh, check out all the many things that he makes uh, with Koji. Uh, I'm actually pretty surprised at the different range of flavors you get out of all the stuff that you've brought today. What do you guys think? Yeah, I was very surprised. Yeah, and uh, thanks. oh, and
4: come party with us at the Mofet oh, after party on Thursday. Bom, 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 as soon as you
1: say bom. after party, do we have uh, reignition? Well, no,
4: we have got the guy from Tribe Called it? Quest is hosting. Is 85 bucks, and Did you get a bunch of food, open bar. Dave will be Did uh, you really
1: just say The guy from Instead of just naming Who it yeah, is It's Light Jerobi White
3: from Hello everybody
4: This is Jerobi From A Tribe Called Quest Yeah, yeah. That's right That's so, awesome so, yeah, yeah yeah It's going to be a good time So that's at the MoFed website
3: yeah, Alright And uh, just as a shout out I, I'm also on the auction If anybody in New York City Wants to have a miso um, Learn how to make miso um, I'm on the auction site and and JW will be there as well, so you can go yeah. over and talk to JW
1: about his lack of love for his own El Paso brand. He's never even visited their freaking factory. Nastasia will be in the corner. Nastasia will be in the corner hating on you. Look. Please come so that Nastasia can hate on you in person. If you've never been hated on by Nastasia Lopez in person, it is something to be experienced. Am I right, guys? Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cooking issues. <laughs>